Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his genes from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to week 14 of the Big East Barroom. Happy day before Valentine's Day to all those who celebrate Valentine's Day. Ryan, thoughts on Valentine's Day? Um, why celebrate Valentine's Day when you can watch Big East basketball? So, Ryan, if you see him on the streets asking for money or on Hinge, make sure you swipe right after today. Some would say the greatest gift you can give to your significant other is the Creighton at Providence game. Oh, absolutely. Some would say chocolate and flowers. Mm. Ryan Clockbetter versus Bryce Hopkins. Like someone say a gift. Like that might be the, that might be the thing you can give out. Um, we had a great week of Big East basketball. Kind of not the same as last week. Yes, definitely a lot of upsets this week. You had four of the top five teams in the conference lose a game uh, versus last week where it was kind of chalk. Pretty much all the favorites won. So yeah, I think we were just looking and we did that Big East bucket thing last week um, that they put out and. I think there were 10 games last week, and I went 10 and out because all the favorites won. Yep. Um, and this week you had at least two or three upsets. Um, you know, And some really good high-leverage games that came down to the last second, which I'm not saying we've been lacking, but you know, when you think about last year, Gillespie's three against Providence, Bynum's three against Xavier, you didn't have a lot of those moments. This week kind of gave you a few of those moments. Yeah, it was a great week of basketball, for sure. Yeah, And um, we still have five teams ranked in the AP Top 25. Um, I'm going to say what they are now. You want to tell me what they were last week? Sure. Marquette is 11th. They were 10th last week. Xavier is 16th. They were 13th last week. Creighton is 18th. They were 23rd last week. UConn at 20. They were 21st. And Providence at 24. They were 20th. I, I, I don't know. I, the Providence disrespect has been weird to me because Providence, you know, for me, ranks in that, you know, deserves to be in that category of a Marquette Xavier Creighton. And their metrics don't look great, and they just keep getting bumped down and stuff like that. It's a difference in non-con schedule and non-con resume. You know, Marquette beat Baylor. Um, That one looks better and better by the day. Yeah, and um, and Xavier. It's not for a lack of trying, though. I mean, Cooley had them in a tournament when they had – they lost to Miami, which would be an incredibly good win. They lost to TCU, which would be an incredibly good win. And they lost to St. Louis, which would still be a, a pretty good, you know, non-conference win. They just, you know, unfortunately for them, that's how it went. Yeah. So, all right, right. We're going to, instead of drafting today, you said you want to talk about each team in the order we want to talk about it. So just call out who you want to talk You want to pick first? I'm picking first. Yeah, go for it. I think you have to start with. The Butler Bulldogs. Let me put two and a half on the clock. Did Butler play the two most exciting games of the Big East season over the last two games? They played two games. They win two games. They beat St. John 68-66, and they beat um, Xavier 69-67. Both at Hinkle Hill House, little Hinkle Hill House magic. Um, I don't know. Let's start with the St. John's game. I know we were a little preoccupied, but I got home in time to watch the end. This is the one where... St. John's inbounds and under the hoop. Um, the clock starts maybe on time, maybe a little bit early. Um, 
he dunks the basketball to, you know, that would have given him a tie game, but they ended up going to review and waving it off. I've watched that replay a few times. I don't see him making contact with the ball, um, Jalen Thomas, before, you know, it gets to Soriano's hands. Um, So I don't know. Is that one of those calls that's, you know, poor um, officiating? Why go to the review there? Um, but Jaden Taylor really played well. And Jaden Taylor won Big East Player of the Week this week. And he deserved it. I think he put up 20 points in both games. But 19 in the um, Butler or St. John's game. So 19 and a half. Yeah. I mean, um, I'd like to talk about the Xavier win, which is Butler's maybe their second best win of the season because they did beat Kansas State. But it is one of their best wins of the season. It's their best win in a long time in a couple months now. Um, I'm just going to throw out a couple things that stood out to me. I thought this was their best defensive effort that they played all conference game, uh, all, all conference season. Mm-hmm. Um, they were doing new stuff on defense. They were switching screens, which they don't usually do. You had Manny Bates on point guards. Um, you, they played Jalen Thomas and Manny Bates together a lot. Uh, and they just kind of made life miserable for Xavier. This was the return of Manny Bates. Uh, from someone who struggled in conference season, 19 points, five blocks, four rebounds. He really set the tone early in this game, um, getting really, you know, good looks. And he kind of kept, you know, he was hitting fadeaway jumpers at one point. Um, you know, I was really impressed with the way that Butler came out. But we have to talk about that end of the game sequence. Um, uh, or do you want, you have another play you want to highlight before we get there? No, I agree with you on what you said with Manny Bates. I want to hear, are you pro-court storm? Are you anti-court storm? Pro-court sender kids. Let them go crazy at a college game. I don't, you don't need to been there, done that when Butler hasn't been good in a few years. They have, they've literally not been there and done that. College has you bring, come out four years at a time. Yeah, nobody in college at Butler has been there, done that. Yeah. Uh, I want to, because we don't have a guest later, I want to extend just for a second, talk about that end of game against Butler, um, where Jack Nungy falls on the ball, tries to call a timeout. It doesn't work. Then Jaden Taylor forgets how many, how many points are up. And fouls Suli Boom up two points. Suli Boom hits both free throws. And then the goaltend, which, I mean, I think we can easily forgive Nunji for making, you know, a mistake like that. I think we forgive Taylor, too. We just kind of, you know, those kind of even each other out. You think it's a goaltend at the end on the Eric Hunter dunk? Uh, I do. I was going to talk about more Xavier, but I do think it was a, a goaltend. Okay. Well, um, great win. Good for good for Butler. Good for Thad Mata. They're, uh, you know. Hinkle Hill House isn't a fun place to play, and we've heard that from a few people now. Yep. So, right, if we're going to talk teams and we, that we don't always give the most shine to, I want to talk Johnny's. All right. Um, so you put two and a half on the clock. Johnny's played twice this week. Johnny's lost to Butler, 68-66, in the Joel Soriano um, dunk gate game. And then they went in and beat Providence at home, um, 73-68. We're, you know, St. John's, you want to have the Curbelo conversation? What do you want to do? Yeah, I think Curbelo played in this game against Butler. He yeah. didn't play in the game um, where they take down Providence, which is obviously uh, huge for them. So I do think that that's a conversation we have about what the future role of Andre Curbelo is on this team. I have no inside information. I believe Andre Curbelo will transfer again. I don't know, you know, it, one of the things I'll give Corbello credit for, he was really engaged in that game. Some of the pictures that came out of him coaching and working with Posh, um, you know, it could have been easy for him to sit there and sulk. But this is the second time he's been suspended in the course of this school year, um, in this season. And he's shown a tendency, to, you know, he's already transferred one. So 
I think it's a process he's comfortable with. I think that's a great answer from Andre Corbello's point of view. I'm going to take the St. John's point of view and say the I love Andre Corbello. I love watching him play basketball. He's like a magician. The St. John's Red Storm is probably a better team without him on the floor. Um, two point guards. You're playing two point, two point guards, guards who can't, can't shoot. Exactly. Um, it was nice to see in the second game. I mean, there's so much to talk about with some of these teams. David Jones returning from um, losing his father tragically earlier in the week. I mean, he put on kind of a show at certain points in that um, Providence upset, 16 points. Um, he shot a lot. He did his, you know, normal high volume scorer. And then Colby King. Colby King gave him really nice minutes. You know, it, it, this is what I'm frustrated with with Anderson. It's way too late in the year for him to still not know his rotations. Pinzone played 11 minutes in this game, where Pinzone played 25 minutes the game before. Is Pinzone a secondary piece or is he your main piece? And he still doesn't know. Well, I think fun. that he thought Pinzone was going to be a main piece and that AJ Store ended up being the best shooter on the team. And that's yeah. why AJ Store has ended up as a starter. AJ Store is a freshman if you don't follow him. Um, he's a really good shooter. So, Is there a conversation that AJ Store is entering most valuable player on St. John's over Joel Soriano? No. You don't think there's even a conversation? No, Joel Soriano's. AJ Store hit the game winner against Georgetown. AJ Store played really well in the George or the Providence game. They wouldn't be win. in any of these games without Joel Soriano, who notched his 20th double-double of this, the that's season. That's not an I'm not knocking Soriano. I think AJ Store's been that impressive. 20 double-doubles. AJ Store might win freshman of the year. Like it's Joel gonna, Soriano might win player of the year. I don't think so. I think he's lost that campaign recently. All right, Ray. Who are we talking about next? Your little pick of your draft thingy. Think I'm a jig. I'm going to go uh, Creighton Blue Jays. I want to talk Creighton Blue Jays because they got two more big wins this week. Beat Seton Hall on Wednesday, 75-62. to In a game I think we'd both agree was much closer than the score. And they beat UConn at Creighton, 56-53. Uh, we obviously watched one of these games a little closer than the other. I watched both games pretty closely. And you watched one a little closer. Um, the Seton Hall. I, I don't think you were locked in for the first one. Oh, I was. No, I, I saw it and I didn't see it in the eyes. You just wasted Creighton's time now. <laughs> um, I, one of my biggest takeaways from the – actually, really both games is that Ryan Clockburner uh, is, is just – his impact on defense is really hard to state. It's really hard to measure. Um, I thought that it was one of the best defensive individual performances I've seen all year against Seton Hall. Um, and he just – he impacts every aspect of the game. Uh, do I give my takes then? What does he take? That Ryan Cockbrenner, when playing up against someone who's physically stronger than him, has really struggled this year. In both matchups with Sonogo and Balo earlier in the year, he has really – they're physically stronger. And there's not a lot that are. But if they're physically stronger than him – I think he's kind of struggled a little bit um, of guarding post moves. And Dixon played really well against him. Yeah, he's a good, not great post defender. He is the best pick and roll defender in the Big East. Um, his yeah, yeah, and no, and his um, mobility and his um, lateral mobility. Uh, Trey Alexander was playing horse against UConn, yeah, which was uh, ridiculous. He shot six of eight in only twenty three minutes. I mean, some of the threes he. Had, I mean, when you only score fifty six points and both offenses were struggling. I mean, to get five points on Trey Alexander, you know, off of one foot, falling out of bounds, that's the kind of stuff that wins you games. And Tricky Trey deserves a lot of credit there. And 
they deserve credit for, you know, keeping them out of foul trouble while getting the most production out of them. Is Creighton as good as we thought they would be preseason? Um, I don't think they're a top five team in the country right now. I think that's Creighton's ceiling remains unchanged, but I don't know if they're a top five team um, in the country. And that's where I thought they would be settling in at this point. Yeah, the problem, the issue for me is you haven't seen Arthur Kaluma take that step forward that the other three have taken, in my opinion. And that's why I can't put them. If Arthur Kaluma was an NBA pro, the way people are projecting it, I'm not trying to come at Kaluma. I love Kaluma. But he hasn't taken that sophomore step forward in the same way the others have. Do you disagree? Uh, I love Kaluma. I'm happy to watch him play basketball. Arthur Columbus is a good basketball player. I just wanted to take another step forward. That's not an insult at him. All right. What team's got your mind next? Uh, if we're going to go for a different reason, I think it's time to talk some Seton Hall Pirates. Oof. Tough week for the Seton Hall Pirates, who dropped two winnable games at home against Creighton and then on the road against the Villanova Wildcats. What stood out to you? Uh, they ran into Baylor Shireman in the first game. That 13-point uh, win. Um, Again, not indicative of what the score was. I thought Seton Hall was right in there until the last second, and then Baylor Shireman kind of went, you know, nut job, um, hitting about three threes and putting it out of reach. That Villanova game was a rock fight. I mean, you have two teams for the game. Uh, Seton Hall shot 39%, and Villanova shot 42%. I mean, Seton Hall needs to figure out a way to play games in the 60s and 70s you know, high sixties, they can't, you can't, you're not going to win games playing 54, 58. You're not going to win a lot of games at least. No, but if you hold the other team to 58, you're going to win a lot of games. Uh, Um, But they need to find a way to score more. Um, I would like to take a moment. Casey and Defo was fantastic in both of these games. Um, He's been fantastic all year for them. He is really the heart of this team. Fouled out in the Villanova game. um, Fouled out in the Creighton game. So he had 10 fouls this week. He used 10 fouls this week. I mean, what, you know who I've been impressed with, if you're going to say Nadefo, Tyree Samuel. Um, I feel like this is going to sound kind of weird, but you don't always see the change in a player's body from year to year the way you have with Tyree Samuel. He has beefed up. Where If you asked me last year what position he played, I would have said he was a four maybe. Mm-hmm. He's a firm five right now. Yeah, he's playing like it. I think Holloway kind of told him that's what he needed to be, and he's really stepped up to the challenge. Um, And he played well against Dixon. I mean, Dixon and him kind of, you know, went at each other a little bit, but, you know, he has 14 points on 7-11 shooting. Um, Dixon's a great post player and got him for 19 on 8 of 18, but I thought Samuel didn't get embarrassed at all in that game. Is Um, this offense good enough to win a game in March? Uh, What's the last game of the regular season? If they make the NCAA tournament – can, um, they, can they win a game with this offense? Yes, because what we've seen in the NCAA tournament, if they can get there, is offenses, defense travels, offense doesn't. And these players are so accustomed to shooting on their home court. We've seen people struggle on the road because of this. Everyone's going to be playing on the road. You might see a game in the 50s and Seton Hall can win. Okay. I like that answer. If you didn't like that answer, would you tell me? Of course. My face? Yeah, right to your face. Oh, that makes sense. All right, right. We've talked about four teams so far. Who would you like to talk about next? I think who I have on my mind right now is these Xavier Musketeers. 
We got to talk about him. Uh, Xavier had a tough week as well. Xavier played one game this week, and Xavier lost one game um, to Butler in a game we've kind of touched on a little bit. You want a, a slump? Is it Fremantle? Is it just Butler went nuts for a game? Yeah, so actually I have in my notes right here. I don't think they played that poorly. I think Butler played the game of their lives. Um, Butler's defense was just hounding Xavier. Every step they took, forcing turnovers, switching guards, help defense was everywhere. Like the uh, the energy that Butler was bringing, they just jumped Xavier. Um, and Xavier still almost pulls it off in the end when they get just a little bit hot towards the end. They start making a few shots. Um, so I'm not too concerned about this one. Tale of two halves. Uh, first half, they shot eight of 26, which is good for about 30%. Second half, 18 of 30, which is good for 16% or 60%. Uh, I'm not worried about Xavier. I mean, every team is pretty much has a bad loss in the Big East right now, um, outside of Marquette and Creighton. Um, and Creighton has a bad out-of-conference loss, and we're not sure what that Wisconsin loss is, though. But, you know, I'm not too worried. I'd like to see Xavier get a little bit more from their bench is my big thing. Um, and I think once Jerome Hunter gets pushed to the bench from Fremantle. That right, will... you have their best bench yeah. player playing in the starting lineup Absolutely. right now. Um, You're playing a man down. I'm going to call out really quickly that Colby Jones is just fantastic in this game on both sides of the ball, yeah. offensively and defensively. Um, especially as Sully Boom struggled a little bit in this one. Colby Jones picked it up, and he was the guy they went down to down the stretch. They figured out him in the post yeah. against Shemis Lukosius was like a winning formula, and they just kept going back to him. Um, he's a killer, and you're not going to want to play against him in March because he's got a nose for big moments. I know I said I wasn't going to um, go after Nunji because I do think it is an excusable offense. It is was a little weird to see it from such an intelligent, mature player like Nunji to call that timeout, especially where you know Miller playing the huddle or a coach was saying, we don't have a timeout. Right. Um, so to see him call a timeout, but then what does he do? They fouled, they got four. He comes back and he hits a three right away. Like, you know, they really picked each other up. And, you know, just coming up a little bit short at Hinkle Hill House is nothing to, you know. And you've already heard my that. opinion. Was it a goaltend? At the end of the game? Yeah, I think Colby Jones got the rim. I, I think that's what ends up, you know. That's what – I know it's not a great call and it might not have influenced a shot, but if that happened in the eighth minute of the game, I would say that's a goaltend. I'm going to stick with it that that's a goaltend. I really liked what Sean Miller said after the game. He's like, whether it was a goaltend or not, they got a fast break on an inbound in the yeah. most important play of the game. Like, we shouldn't have allowed them to have that chance. Absolutely. Um, so he said we didn't deserve to win. Yeah, refs – you don't like to see the refs decide a game, just like the other day for the Super Bowl, but – um. You know, a call is a call, and you do want them to make that call as well. Yeah, I think it was the right call. All right, Ryan. Is it my turn? Yes, sir. All right, we will talk. Let's put him on the clock. Let's put DePaul on the clock. We're not going to do the full two and a half. Why don't we just talk to our heart's content about Villanova? Because they played one game this week. Do we want to do big picture stuff? You mean DePaul? DePaul, I'm sorry. DePaul. Um, They lost to Villanova 60. Yeah, I don't have a ton to, to address from this game. Played a really good first half. Like, I thought that this was going to be this weird year that DePaul just had Villanova's number. And then just to get just to get absolutely the doors blown off in the second half. Listen, Emoja Gibson was really good in this game. Yeah. Uh, Javon Johnson was really good in this game. They have no years of eligibility left. Yeah. Like, that's it's really like, hard to draw anything good. Like, right now they're hitting their ceiling. 
of where they, you know, can go because these guys will not be Batman. It reminds me of last year where JFL kind of went nuts and like everyone was like, okay, maybe. And then it was like, well, JFL's leaving. Right. Like, like he won't be here again. We're not, we have to build towards the future. Like it's great if these seniors go out on a high note, but we need to build something towards the future. I do think they really miss Nick on Genda. Uh, I thought Nick on Genda was- on Instagram again today saying he's coming back soon. I, I don't know what that means anymore. Yeah. I, I thought he was going to be one of the best defensive bigs in the conference this year. Um, their team next year with here's what else positives. Caleb Murphy is coming back. You're going to have Caleb Murphy. Who's going to be the lead guard. Jalen Terry is going to be a guard there as well. Um, Deshaun Nelson, um, Philemon Gribowit. Um, and yeah, so the, you know, they have a, they have a chance to be, you know, yeah, we'll see in the age of the transfer portal. Um, a struggling team, you can't guarantee anybody's going to be back. No, that's true. I, I think it's fair to say that Deshaun Nelson's coming back. Deshaun Nelson is a walking highlight reel. He's one of the best Ryan, guys. do you like watching Deshaun Nelson? Deshaun, uh, friend of the, not a friend of the pod. We'd love to get him on here, though. If uh, you know Deshaun Nelson personally, tell him we would love to talk to him. Yeah, tell him to reach out. Or we'll reach out to him again and try. <laughs> we'll probably do that. All right. I think my next pick is going to be the Marquette Golden Eagles. Marquette played two games this week. They went one and one. Uh, I don't even know what to say about that first game without talking too much about UConn. Um, but they they rebounded and really smacked Georgetown around. Um, and they beat them 89 to 75. So for me, it's just a blip on the radar. Game. I love the word choice because they did not rebound in the UConn game. Um, <laughs> they got out-rebounded. They got doubled up in rebounds, yeah. 24 to 48. Um, and I think part of it is that UConn matches up really well against Marquette. I do too. I think the last two seasons, UConn's matched up really well against well, Marquette. The last two seasons, UConn's been a really good rebounding team, yeah. and Marquette's been a really poor rebounding team. And UConn's 3-1 and one in the last two seasons against Marquette. And they played a pretty good game down the stretch at Marquette. Yeah, that was a really good um, – I laughed. Somebody posted the other day and said, have you tried unplugging Oso and Godara and plugging him back in? And in the Georgetown game – he was unplugged and plugged back in. He went for 14 and seven and five assists and one block. He went back to his normal stat line after a mini midseason slump. Yeah. I, they just missed some shots that they would usually hit in that game against UConn. A uh, few open shots. You know, I, I remember one where Stephen Mitchell was in the corner wide open. Yeah. David Joplin missed a couple good looks. Ben Gold played really well in the UConn game. Yeah. There you um, go. Freshman Ben Gold. I forget. I It was another player on Team USA who was just hyping Ben Gold up, saying that he was one of the more talented players he played with um, in the offseason. Yeah, he had a lot of hype coming off of Team New Zealand. Um, Maybe it was Steven Adams. I don't know. That would make sense for Team New, England, New Zealand. But um, a team, team USA probably played against him. I don't know. I don't know um, either. Um, I want to reiterate to the people who are worried about that. It is very hard to win on the road. In the Big East, if you are not playing at Georgetown or DePaul, you are 20 and 100 going to play at another player. So home teams are 120 outside of Georgetown, DePaul. That's a ridiculous number. And some of those losses, like Nebraska won at Creighton. That's a 10-minute drive, guys. Wisconsin beat um, Marquette at Marquette, but that's like a 10-minute drive. Like they're not tr- – like they are true road games, but I don't know. So- I was- did this week change your opinion at all on Marquette? Nope, and I'm glad the voters didn't think so either. To go from 11 to, or 10 to 11 shows that their faith wasn't shaken at all by this loss. Um, 
I think there says more good things about UConn than it does say anything negative about Marquette. Um, you're just not going to win many games against UConn shooting um, 36% and a half, um, especially at UConn, 2 of 12, 5 of 21 for 3 from the game. So. Sean Jones. Sean Jones played a lot of good minutes too. And I was told that Sean Jones is going to miss a few weeks. I'm glad I did not listen to that. <laughs> All right, Rye, my pick? Yes, sir. All right, Ryan, I want to talk – let's talk Friars. You want to put two and a half on the clock to talk about the Providence State Friars? Let's do it. Um, Providence played two games this week. Providence went one and one They beat Georgetown 74-62 at home, and then they lost to St. John 73-68 on the road. Is your confidence shaken from with Providence? No. No, I think that this was just about as bad of a shooting game as they could have. And uh, they still almost won the game. They were still in it right down the stretch. Yep. Um, I think that we know what their floor is because they're the best rebounding team in the Big East. With the Ed Croswell and Bryce Hopkins duo, you and know. Devin Carter. And Devin Carter as a rebounding guard. I mean, those are three really good rebounders. They got a ton of off- offensive rebounds in this game. That almost brought them back. Um but, you know, they shoot 30% from three, 33% from the field. That's just a tough shooting night. Yeah. I mean, they have 50 rebounds in this game, 49, um, with um, 20 offensive rebounds. I mean, so that means they missed, quick math here, 48 shots and got offensive rebounds on 20 of them. So, I mean, that's a lot of missed shots they missed, and they still were able to get second chances. That's how you score 68 points while shooting 33% from the field. Yeah, and I, I'm just going to – I'm not going to rag on Noah Locke. Everybody has bad nights. I think he's the X factor for this team, though. Mm-hmm. One of eight from three is a tough night. Yeah, when he's going, though, that makes his team with that floor of rebounding and Bryce Hopkins as an NBA player, and then you add a really good shooter to that, I think that's what makes them one of the – you know, I think it makes them a potential Sweet 16, Elite 18. John Fanta predicted a second weekend for Providence again. Um, I've noticed in the last few games – People are having a hard time officiating Bryce Hopkins because he's so big and so physical. He's getting called or he is not getting the foul calls that I think he deserves. And then he's getting random other hand checking foul calls called for him. And it's, I I don't know. I've just noticed a weird officiating that he's not getting to the line the same way he was at the beginning of the year. Anything you, do you think Ed Cooley gives a little call up and says like, Hey, can we, Maybe be pretty conscious about this right now. Yeah, I mean, there was a there was a little period at the beginning of Big East play where he had um, double digit free throw attempts like repeatedly. Yeah. He hasn't had that in a while now. It's worth it's worth paying attention to, especially as Providence is going to play some games not in the Big East in the tournament. How are officials going to officiate him? But listen, the Big East is a physical league. You come to play, and I don't, you know, as long as you don't get hit in the face, I don't want to hear complaining. Oh, jeez. All right, Rye, I think you, your pick. We have two more teams to talk about before our team of the week. Yeah, let's uh, let's go for the Georgetown Hoyos. Georgetown played one game this week, and Georgetown lost one game this week to Providence. So we're just going to do a little bit of time on the Georgetown I'm sorry. I, uh, that's my first mistake doing this this way. Georgetown played twice, lost to Marquette as well. Okay. Uh, fire Patrick Ewing. Curtis Wahab left. That's yeah. like huge news. 
Gillespie this chimed is, in on my thing about this it. This will be the third time Kudus Wahab has transferred in his three years at college. I want to – how much money would you pay to be a fly on the wall when he was getting re-recruited back to Georgetown? Like, what What was the conversation there? I don't know. You feel bad for the kid. I mean, he's clearly undecided about what he wants to do. He came here from Nigeria to play basketball, and he had a really promising freshman year, and then the rest of his college career has really um, kind of been a disaster to this point. So I do feel for him. You don't root for this. No. Um, but it's just one of the smaller signs of the dysfunction at Georgetown. Yeah, there could be a mass exodus at Georgetown. Some of these kids, like Brandon Murray and Primo Spears, could use this their highlights from this year and decide to go to a different school. Because if you're a P5 school, wouldn't you gladly welcome Primo Spears? Well, that happened to Georgetown last year. Yeah. Donald Carey left and Dante um, Harris left. Um, that, where is Dante playing? Dante's not playing yet, but he's eligible next year to play Virginia. It's tough. It, I mean, yeah, that's why we're only putting a minute because they're in a bad place. If changes aren't made at the top, I think they're um, it will only continue to be worse. All right, so the last team we'll talk about is the UConn Huskies. You Let's got two and a half on the clock. They went one and one this week. They get a huge win against Marquette at home that we were in the building for. And then they go on the road out to Omaha. They drop one to create Omaha. one in a in a pretty closely contested game. What stood out to you, Ty? Um, the Marquette game felt like the beginning of the year for UConn. They it felt like it did not matter what was happening. UConn was just pulling away. Um, their three point shooting, their guys were just in the right spot making their shots. No one was forcing anything. They shoot six of eleven, six of twelve, um, in the two halves respectfully from three respectively. Um, for 52%. They shot 50% from the game. I, they, I, they missed 31 shots. They got 21 offensive rebounds. And this isn't a slight at Marquette. And if you're still listening to this as a Marquette fan, but UConn was a, just a better team on the floor for 40 minutes. And it was clear, which is how the beginning of the year felt. That Creighton game, if I'm a UConn fan, which I am, I'm encouraged by that game. You're a Jordan Hawkins toe away from going to overtime. At Creighton, in a game you didn't shoot well in, and and in, in a game that Jordan Hawkins didn't shoot well in either. I hear you, and obviously it's always um, beneficial to stay close in games like that. Uh, at, you know, on the road, great environment and everything. But I think it just really drove home the point that like UConn is very often an offensively limited team. Um, how many po- points do they put up in this game? Fifty-three. Yeah, fifty-three points. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'll, I listen. I'll look at it with rose-colored glasses. Tristan Newton has been in a walking bucket for the second half of the season. You only got two points from him. Um, Jordan Hawkins been a walking bucket the second half of the season. You got eleven points from him of four thirteen shooting. You know, Adama Sanogo played. I think Adama Sanogo might have been the best player on the court. Him and Trey Alexander, um, at certain points. And you know, UConn's going to need Sanogo, Hawkins, Newton. Those three are going to need to carry the team in March. Yeah. Uh, it was a godsend that Adama Snogo hit three pick and pops, which is not in the game plan, but he got nine points for them when they scored 53. So uh, that was a huge contribution. Tyler, what do you think about playing Klingon and Sonogo on the court together? Uh, I would I would, I would, would try it. I would, especially if Sonogo can space the floor like he has. If he can't, no. Why? You're not trying it? You no, still I- don't want to try it, right? I believe they should try it. I think it's their best defensive lineup, and it's their best rebounding lineup. Yeah, Klingon would have been a good matchup for Cockbrenner too. 
um, yeah. because they're very similarly sized. Right. And Klingon's the best offensive rebounder per 40 minutes in the conference, in the country, I think. Is it? Joel Soriano, obviously, is the best offensive rebounder overall per 40 minutes. You gave that on. Introducing our favorite sponsor for all custom apparel, the DMR Designs. They are your spot for shirts, for hats, water bottles. You want to put your logo on something? You want to have matching shirts for a bachelorette, a bachelor party. You want to have your rec sport team, you know, all decked out in the same thing. So when you win that championship, you're looking fresh to death. This is the place to go because they are your family company for all custom apparel needs. Yeah, and it's a great story. We actually met this company because they are the company that made our rec basketball um, t-shirts for our rec basketball team. So we know them. We've worked with them for a very long time, and we wouldn't recommend them to you if we didn't believe in their product. Yeah, Custom apparel, custom anything. Give them their design. Work with them. They are absolutely amazing, and they get right back to you. Check them out on Instagram. Tyler, where can they find them? Check them out on Instagram, DMOR Designs. Check out the website. I've tweeted it out several times now. Anywhere you find them, just let them know we sent you so they continue to want to work with us because we love working with them. Amen. All right, you want to give our Villanova Wildcats five good minutes? We don't have a guest today. We decided just to do it ourselves. So five minutes to talk cats? You talking cats? I'd love to talk cats because this was – the best week of Villanova Wildcats basketball all season long. And the Villanova Wildcats have life. Let's talk about it. Is that your, that's your hot take voice? Yeah. Uh, Villanova played two games this week. Villanova won two games. They beat DePaul. So I'm going to temper you right there. And then they beat Seton Hall in a game that reminded me a lot of that St. John's Villanova game at the Garden. Tyler, when Villanova played DePaul earlier in the season, did they win? No, they did not. They lost to DePaul earlier in the season. So this is something to celebrate. I mean, every day, I guess, is a day to celebrate in the Big East. But um, I think, I don't know. You're much more, I was much higher on UConn after this week, and you're much higher on Villanova after this week. All you can do is win the games in front of you. Villanova went out there and got two wins. I think this was the best week of basketball Cam Whitmore has played all year. Um, he was excellent. And, and stuff that doesn't necessarily show up on the stats, but his defense was much improved. His ability to, to – um, Get to the rim was much improved. Uh, and, and he took over that DePaul game at points. So I thought that was a really big They played more in that Seton Hall game within themselves than I've seen in a while. Um, Justin Moore played poor, very not poorly, but he only scored one point, And that was on a, a free throw at the end of the game. And then he ended up missing two more. You know, they didn't force anything. Eric Dixon is continuing to be a monster. They need Justin Moore to continue to get right to have a chance to crash a party and bid steal. I agree. And I do think Justin Moore looks more comfortable every time he gets out there. But I also believe that what he brings in intangibles and confidence Mm -hmm. to the rest of the team is so invaluable that he's making an impact by while only scoring one point. Ryan, how much, how many bench points did they they got in the Seton Hall game? Uh, Zero. Zero. Yeah, they, uh, this is the problem. You're relying on the five that are starting. You can rely on Armstrong and Archie for good minutes. Um, it seems like they are about done with the Archie experiment, unfortunately, um, because with Longino back, 
Archie went down to six minutes in this game. Yeah, with more back, you don't have the same hole at point guard, so you don't need Archie to cover it the uh, the way he was, and he did a fine job while he was out there. But obviously, the plan is always to get Justin Moore back into those minutes. Yeah, I I don't know. I I'm looking at this and I'm thinking Villanova is so limited that if their two guys aren't going nuts, you know, you're kind of you're not gonna you're not gonna win many games. Um, that isn't to say I want to highlight Brandon Slater. Brandon Slater was the hardest working player on the court um, at certain points in that Seton Hall game. I thought he was incredibly good. Um, it's right here in my notes. Brandon Slater continues to be underrated. I don't know how. Um, he has high basketball IQ and effort and hustle, and he really understands Villanova basketball. And he's taken a huge step forward just from last year in terms of leadership. You love to see it. And he's one of my favorite guys to watch in the conference. Yeah. I, I'm i high on their starting five. I worry about, you know, it's just so easy to see the path to beat them. But remember, they only went six deep last year and they made the final four. Ryan, they had Colin Gillespie on the team. Yeah, this team has Caleb Daniels. Ryan, they had Jay Wright coaching. This, like, I, I get it. Like, I want to sit here and be like, this is the exact same Villanova team. And then I'm looking at it and I'm going, there's something clearly missing. And even in a week where they win two games, they need Colin Gillespie. And unless Colin is not loving it in Denver, I think he's, you know. I'm certainly not sitting here saying this is the same team or that they're going to make the Final Four. But what no, I'm, I'm saying I want to say that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that, you know, I watched 80 minutes of Villanova basketball this week. And you're better for it. They looked legit. They looked like a scary team. You have everybody filling their role. Finally, um, you know, and you have a lottery pick out there who's grown into himself. He's he, he's playing the best basketball all season that mm-hmm. he's played. His defense has really picked up. Um, I just – we're sitting here and saying UConn's limited for scoring 53 points on the road against Creighton, and then we're sitting here talking and saying Villanova looks scary when they scored 58 points at home. I, I It's just – I don't see that the way you're seeing it. I see a team that's very limited – um, but that could go on a run in the Big East tournament. But outside of that, I don't, you know, I don't see a tournament berth, um, or you know, in in some ways, a tournament worthy team. I wouldn't want to see them in a Big East tournament, and I think they could easily win a game in the in the NCAA tournament. The way they're constructed right now, well, um, if they're the seven ten matchup, they would be on pace to play the two seed, which is going to be either Creighton or um, Xavier. It looks like right now. If Marquette holds on to win the Big East regular season, it'll be hard fought. Especially these kids know that they need to win the NCAA tur- uh, Big East tournament if they want to go dancing. And uh, Brandon Slater and Caleb Daniels' last college games. I mean, they're going to go out swinging. Yeah, I believe that. I believe in the heart of Villanova more than I believe in the play of Villanova this year. That's kind of where I'm at with. All right, everyone. So this is a part of the program where we normally would go to mailbag questions, but. We had a fun idea for this week, so we're going to put off the mailbag questions. So if you have any questions, save them. We'll get back to it next week. But Tyler had a great idea. You want to tell the people? Uh, It wasn't a great idea, but it was an idea. I decided we did this on the way to Philly when we were driving. We drafted a full Big East team because we had three and a half hours in the car. I wanted to draft starting fives now that the Big East season has kind of taken shape and narratives are forming. um, If we could just draft starting fives, and I think it would be nice to draft against each other just so we could maybe even see how they match up against one another um, personnel-wise. So the idea is that we're playing, what, a seven-game series against each other? Yeah, seven-game series against each other. 
Uh, everyone's health, fully healthy. Okay. Oh, I don't know. Everyone's fully healthy. Does that mean Justin Moore is Justin Moore from last year? No, I don't. We have to agree on that before we do it because I, that would mean he's either the first pick or not, maybe not picked. Yeah, I don't think that would be fair. I think we uh, we, we take, take him what he is this year. We take him what is now, but like nobody, Cockburner never had mono, doesn't have mono, or you know, if that was still the thing, right? Um, but I think yeah, taking Justin Moore of what he is now is the only is that the only interesting one? I believe so, and I believe you have the first pick. No, because we're gonna rock paper scissors and we're gonna tell the people what we pick. Ready? Rock paper scissors shoot rock. Ryan, what did you You want to go ahead. Oh, that's it. huge. All right. Ryan, uh, with my first pick of the draft, you have the noise. Dun, 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 dun. I don't even actually know what it is. I am going to take Mr. Bryce Hopkins because I don't believe Bryce Hopkins is a player of the year anymore in the conference. But what I do believe is that the difference between Bryce Hopkins and the second person, whoever is going to guard Bryce Hopkins, is the biggest gap you are going to see. He in the Big East as the as playing the four. Yes, the next best four is is such a drop off comparatively. Because you're gonna, I know who you're gonna take. Don't want to say anything, but if you're taking a point guard, I think the point guards are close. The shooting guards can kind of be close. I think Bryce Hopkins has the most value at that pick. You don't you know, know who I'm going to take. I do know who you're – if you don't take who I think you're going to take because you know I'm not going to take them, that's really a gutsy move. My so, number one pick is going to be Joel Soriano. Joel Soriano, who would be the player of the year if he was on a team that was successful this year. But based on individual play, there's nobody in the Big East that has a bigger impact on the game. You're going to say that after you've said what you've said about your friend Ryan? That's if you try to get Soriano and Cockbrenner and play the four and the five with them, I'm not allowing that. Joel Soriano is going to get me offensive rebounds. At what position, Ryan? What position is he playing? You don't worry about that. He's my guy. Is he playing the four? Is he playing the five? It's your pick, sir. I feel like there's some bamboozlement here. It's your pick, sir. All right. I am going to go take my point guard. And this is somebody who I have a friend of the pod. And I'm going to take, in my opinion, the best floor general, because Bryce Hopkins is giving me 20 every night. I'm not worried about that. I need someone who's going to go around and give me the assists, keep the team in it defensively, intensity. Mr. Tyler Kolek is going to be my point guard at the number two pick. And it's a fantastic pick. And yeah, I I don't like that you said that. I want to make that clear because, like, now I'm starting to think, are you playing mind games? Well, what Tyler Kellogg gives you, I mean, he's the best passer in the Big East, and he can also score when he needs to. He's perfectly fine defensively. Um, there's really no weakness in his game. Uh, Yeah, and he's been able to shoot this year, which he had a harder time shooting right. last year. See, here would be my counterpoint, and I'm going to take him now so that there's no – I know who you're going to take. I'm going to take Suli Boom. And that was next to my big board. Because – the difference between the top two point guards in the league is not a huge difference. So why wouldn't you wait to take Boom until the end? Because you know? I don't want you to try and take him as like your two guards. Like what you're going to try to do with Cockburn. I might. But I'm going to take Suli Boom. He's a fantastic scorer. He's the best shooter in the Big East. Um, I, there's not a lot he can't do. Uh, do you think he can stand on his head? Yeah, probably. He scores wow. from anywhere on the court. Uh, he's been clutch. He's one of the best free throw shooters in the Big East. Yeah. After shooting poorly in that um, Butler game, for him to go down and knock down those two free throws in a wild Hinkle Hill house was really impressive. Yeah, can you name one negative thing about Sully Boom's game? 
Um, he's under 6'5". Yeah, that's a fact. I'm really good at basketball, though. Really, really flipping good. So that's going to be my second pick. I don't – I think the Kolek-Boom matchup allows them both to move. Like, they're neither of them are, like, plus, plus, plus defenders. Like, n- neither of us are throwing Andre Jackson at the one. So I think Kolek and Boom's games, you know, I don't think they're going to be – directly influenced by each other's defense, if that makes sense. Like, I think they're still going to be able to play within themselves offensively without, you know, being too off. Yeah, just really quick, I'd have taken Kadari Richmond if that was my goal. He's the best defensive point guard in the Big East by far, but I didn't take him, so go ahead. If you wanted to take Kadari Richmond there, that would have been a good counter to Tyler Kolek because he's a lot bigger. Go ahead. All right, Ryan, with my next pick in the draft, uh, I'm going to do it. I don't – it's not that I don't love this guy – it's that I don't know, you know, where is my all my offense coming from? Because this guy is my defensive stopper, too. Give me Colby Jones. He's one of the best defenders in the uh, conference. He's going to get me 15 to 17 a night. I'm a little worried about the shooting on my team right now. Not because Colby Jones and Bryce Hopkins are bad shooters, but because you're bringing Suli Boom. You're shooting. If you take another sharp shooter after this, it's going to be incredible. Yeah, Colby Jones is shooting really well in this yeah, year. Yeah, he's shooting like 40% from three. But, but on a relatively low volume. He's not yeah. a high-volume guy. That's what I mean. Like, I, he's not going to hoist five or six threes a game where you might have Suli Boom and then whoever you take next doing that. So, Colby. And I have two friends of the podcast on ours, and you have zero. So, that automatically gives me a leg up. Uh, that's a great point. Thank you. So who are you taking with the one, two, three, four, five, sixth overall pick in the Big East draft? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Jordan Hawkins. Oh, and um, that's what I was worried about. I think Jordan Hawkins is the best shooter in the Big East. No disrespect to any of the other really good shooters, but on the volume, he does it. Didn't on. you just say Suli Boom was the best shooter in the – you can't just name all your players and say they're the best shooter in the Big East. Joel Soriano, <laughs> best shooter in the Big East. Uh, he seems like you you've created a narrative for your team. Suli Boom is leading the conference in percentage, but Jordan Hawkins takes more threes than anybody else, and he still has a Jordan Hawkins has more swishes than Suli Boom. Would you be quiet? (laughs) Anyhow, Jordan Hawkins is also a really solid guard uh, defensively at the two. Uh, He gets downhill. Not a lot he's missing in his game at this point. I think that's a great pick. I had Hawkins at number four on my big board. I thought I could get him a little bit later. Um He's come on in conference play. He might, if there was a most improved from the beginning to the end of the season, I mean, he might win most improved anyway. Um, but his improvement from, you know, the beginning to the end of the season has been incredible. His ability to just step up and be the man on the team. Yeah. Like, he's the guy. While running through nine screens at a time. I mean, yeah. he's he, special. All right. Uh, my pick. I'm going to go someone who doesn't always get as much love as they need um, on the pod. Because he's such a – he's an integral part. But if you want to talk about shooters who can go off for 30 in a night, give me Trey Alexander. Kid is – you know, we saw it in the UConn game. He shot 6 of 8. We saw it in DePaul when he dropped 30 points. Um, he's had a few nights. And if Jim Jackson's calling the game, Forget if it. Jim Jackson's calling the game, that's a dub. Tricky Trey and Tricky Trey's a good defender, and he's going to have to do, be a good defender when he's playing against Hawkins. Yeah, I tweeted this out. I think Tricky Trey is an underrated 3 and D prospect for the NBA. I haven't heard his name mentioned much, but with the way he's shooting this year and the way he's been defending over the last month, he could make it in the NBA as a 3 and D prospect. 
Yeah. I, and I completely agree. And his ability to make tough shots at the end of the shot clock, we just saw was really impressive. Yeah, he's a good pick. I like him there. So for my fourth pick, I'm going to take Mr. Draft uh, Lotto pick himself, Mr. Cameron Whitmore. Ooh, see, you're going with the um, his length, his ability to disrupt on defense, his ability to get downhill. You know, he's not he's not a great shooter, but that's all right because I got really good shooting around him, and he's a good enough shooter. But he's a pure athlete, and he affects every aspect of the game. You're going on potential more than output this season because there's probably other threes that have been more productive than him this year. Um, but athleticism, your team's wildly athletic. Yeah, I think in terms of um, flashes of what we've seen of Cam Whitmore, and he's a freshman, so he's developing still. Yeah. Um, I like him there. All right, at center, uh, between two guys, I wish. Um, hmm. Give me Adama. I was I was tempted to you kind of told me who you wanted me to pick by not picking him, Cockbrenner. Um, and you were kind of forcing my hand there. But I feel like I need another offensive player, especially when you have three legitimate star offensive players. Um, and I felt like I needed one more offensive threat. And if Sonogo can shoot a little bit and pull Soriano away from the rim. Bryce Hopkins is going to absolutely eat you alive on the offensive glass. Um, and that's my hope in this game. And Tyler Kolek throwing, giving the ball to Adama in good spots. I'm not sure there's a better person I would, you know, like to link up between Kolek and Sonogo. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And it's a really nice offense. Um, I'm not – yeah, the, your offense should be humming for sure. Yeah, I Kolek leading that too. Everybody – nobody has to play out of character in my offense. That's what I like about it. Yeah. Like no one has to turn – Turn it on and be the guy every single night. All five of those guys um, can score from pretty much anywhere on the floor. And you have Tyler Kolek f- facilitating. Yeah. Uh, th- that's dangerous. I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I drafted, you know, well. And for my fifth pick, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Arthur Kaluma. Um, because I believe Arthur Kaluma is about the only guy who can cover uh, Bryce Hopkins one-on-one. In terms of athleticism, in, ter- in terms of, you know, defensive prowess, he's rock solid. Uh, he's had a little difficulty shooting the basketball this year, but he has that in his arsenal. Enough to make you be honest on him, at least. You have to guard him out at the three-point line, um, which will open up the interior for Joel Soriano just to dominate dominate your team. Um, I want to make it clear that this is how I feel about these teams. Preseason, your team's absolutely the team that's going furthest. That's getting picked higher. In-season, my team has had more in-season success, in my opinion, than yours. Sully Boom. Yes, Tyler Joel Kovac, Soriano. Bryce Hopkins. I mean, yeah, we're just naming. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I have three of the top five first-team Big East players, and you have two. Soriano and boom. Maybe Hawkins gets on there. All right. Well, you guys can decide who you think drafted the better team. Let us know on Twitter. Tweet at us. Comment. Um, like us on Instagram. Big East Barroom really helps. The more followers we get on there, we'll give away Ryan's on liver. Yeah, the whole crazy th- thing is, we're gonna give away Ryan's whole liver. Whole thing. Not if, if you're the 500th follower, we'll give away his liver. Um, but we want to thank you all for pulling up a stool for week 14 of the Biggie Spa Room. It's always a blast talking with you guys. All right, have a great week, everyone.